Welcome to this episode of the Million Dollar Mastermind. I'm Larry Wydell, and let's get started. I am back with Sam Shepard, multi-million dollar earner, uh, producer of Million Dollar Earners, 23 uh, leaders on his team, graduates of his training program that have gone on and built businesses of their own over, what, two or $300,000? Uh, and uh, more on the way. And Sam, as let's, let's pick up. Uh, so welcome back, Sam. Thanks so much. Thank you, Larry. Thank you for having me on. And uh, Sam, let's make one point. I want to hear you speak to this point. The fact that you had a lot of your, how did you organize yourself in terms of business goals uh, from the start? Uh, what would you, would you compete with other people or did you just have, compete with other people, want to be the best in state, want to be the best in the country? Want, uh, how did you, uh, what did you focus on? I, early on, first I wanted to be, first it was just, I want to become a regional vice president. I want to yeah. be a regional vice president. I want to make a hundred grand. I knew to make a hundred grand, I need to be a regional vice president. So, and I, I first just wanted to make certain that Harold Crafton, my vice president, had one of the top shops, if not number one in Georgia. And uh, I don't think we ever hit number one in Georgia, but we were competing for it. You know, we're always competing right. for it because Harold Crafter, when I saw his name, that represented me. So I wanted his name to be as high as it could possibly be. And then, um, you know, once I became a vice president, I had one goal, that was to be number one in Georgia. And it took us about a year and a half as a vice president. So we, we didn't just go vice president, we were number one. It's about a year and a half later before we hit number one. And we just wanted to keep competing. I was always competing to be number one in Georgia, and then number one in the nation, number one in the Randall Walker, Mary Walker hierarchy, number one in Buisson. So I was always competing. Uh, every Any big event, I want to walk the stage. We want our teammates to walk the stage. I, I want to have Art Williams. Art Williams called my name. It was better. He didn't have to give me nothing. He just called my name, and I was done because Art Williams knew who I was. I mean, it was that's how I grew up. And uh, uh, as you moved up and achieved this kind of success, uh, you added other goals in your life. And how has that has that enriched your life? Has that? Uh, 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 giving you new insight about a how to keep inspired about doing the like you know the base shop that you know base shop if we were if we were in the dairy business that would be milking the cow and yeah. after a while uh, you know you can get a little tired of milking the cow but in our business you know in the the people business it's not the same because every different crowd that shows up is different mix of personalities and abilities and you know a lot of fun. A lot of, and they do a lot of fun things, you know, like a lot of fun, you know, like every one of your new grandkids you have, they're going to, like that new one that's just born that's a week old right now, no telling what kind of craziness he's going to come up with and funny things he's going to say and do and just add, you know, they just can't help it. And so it's not, uh, it's important that they never see you tired in the base shop, but having all these other goals, I mean, is, is that stressful? No, that's actually what makes it exciting. I found that every time I have a lull in my business, I wasn't going for something. If I ever stopped going for something, my business starts to get flat. But when I'm going for, you know, I was going for RVP, it was an exciting time. I was going for senior vice president, exciting. And none of these goals that I hit 
when I said I was going to hit them. Going for NSD, miss it, miss it, miss it. Going. As a matter of fact, the senior national that, that sales director position in our company is the only position that I ever went for and actually hit when I went for it. And I only went for it because we were in Tampa, Florida at a national meeting, and the company put out a list of the next senior national sales directors, and they said they were giving these kind of varsity leather jackets out. And uh, I think it was Pete Dawkins was running the company at the time. And uh, they put a list. They said, here are the people who are next in target to be senior national sales directors. And I looked through the list. It must have been 80 people on the list. I'm beating at least 60 of the 80, and I'm not on the list. And that pissed me off so bad, I could not believe. Because it's something about it. wasn't even about the Jack. It was just about not being recognized as one of the top leaders. And so I had an emergency meeting with my team. I said, guys, they don't even respect us enough to put us on the list. We're not even thought about. I said, we're going to show them. We're going to become a senior national sales director team in February, March, and this meeting was in February, and the next week, not only were we in Tampa, Randall Walker had a meeting, him and Mary down in Hilton Head. So we're not even starting the month till about February 15th or 16th, and it's a short month. We did the pre-qualification numbers in those short two weeks, which was about double or triple what we'd been doing. We came back the next month, and we made it. So we, we beat everybody on that list. Things like that just have driven me throughout my career. But a bunch of my people had a lot of success and made a lot of money. But it wasn't about the money. It was about they don't believe in us. Let's go show them. You know, when uh, I had a goal of being the first African-American to make a million dollars in America. And because no one had done, I just said, well, somebody's going to do it. Somebody's got to be the first. And I was actually at a meeting where I heard our CEO name another leader. They said they just gone over 600,000. Then they said they'll be the first. And I can't tell you in my mind, nothing against the other leaders. I want everybody to do whatever they do. But it just, in my mind, I was like, no, you're supposed to be the first. Now I'm at 200 and something, and the other person is That's six. Hilarious. I'm like, That's I'm hilarious. Gonna yeah. I'm going to be first. And I started meeting my team. I'm going to be first. I'm going to be first. We're going to be the first. We're going to do it. And we rallied. And it took eight years. But guess what? We were still first. <laughs> it was <Yeah>. amazing. <laughs> we were still first to do it, and it was years before anybody else did it. And so it was just something that, but that a lot of people on my team, we a lot of people went over hundred thousand dollars a year in income, two hundred thousand, and they were fighting to push their leader up. And I learned that, you know, of course, Art told us about pushing up people, and I really think pushing up people to the next level. And I talked to teammates about what they could do. You know, you want to help me? You go make money. You go get promoted. You go build. It was always. Don't worry about me. You go do your part, and we're all going to win. And we've seen that happen time after time in our career, going for a million and then going for two million, all the different things we've gone for. It's always been about other leaders getting pushed up and achieving great goals and great dreams because we were unified trying to accomplish something. And I think you've got to be – there's got to be something that wakes you up, something that gets you up, something that gets you excited. And I'm always excited each and every day. Now, when you get involved in these things with the Band of Brothers and the other mm -hmm. charity things, do you have goals in there? Do, I mean, just goals working with there, you know, get more people the next year, get this, that, the other, uh, you know, raise the amount that, uh, you know, that uh, uh, that this year that we had over last year. Is, is the goal setting apply there, too? 
Absolutely. We're always trying to get bigger, do better things, uh, impact more people, get more people from more states. Uh, we, uh, you know, I think the first Band of Brothers meeting started out at Mike Sharp, one of our great teammates out in California. I think he had about 28 people that first meeting. Uh, since then, we've now had, I think it's over 25,000 men and women go through these camps. And it just started, but it started with 28. And from 28, it just kept growing and growing. And it went from California to Colorado to Texas. To, you know, me and uh, Gasha Shaddy started the Georgia, Florida camp. And then I broke off to Georgia. He's still running Florida, but I go to Florida when I can. I go to New York. And, and they're all over Canada with Jim Bone, Jim and Trish got them all over Canada. And it's amazing what has happened with just, uh, but passionate about just seeing men grow because. God just gave something in my heart. I love to see a man get free. I love to see a man, and my wife feels the same way about women. So we really just like to see men and women get free of whatever wounds, whatever they're dealing with, because there's a reason, all I can tell you, there's a reason that everybody is like they are. And and it's things that happened way, way, way long time ago in our lives. Many times we're not even conscious of what happened to that caused that, but through that weekend, we get people free of different wounds. And uh, uh, the goal setting is basically you have an approach to life that you developed inside your business. And what I try and get people to see, the great thing that happens when you build a business is you change. You become more focused. You, you, you learn how to do things quicker, faster, better. You need you learn how to solve problems more precisely because you know you've been there, done that, seen that, and you can. It's like if you played your first game of chess, you're not going to be that sophisticated. You just you're just okay. trying to learn the rules and make the right move the pieces the right place. But if you've played a hundred thousand games of chess, you're probably going to be pretty good at it, you know, and you're going to have some strategies uh, developed in your mind. The great thing about business is that same thing happens. You become a master chess player in life and making things happen in life uh, that you want to have happen. And you can use those same strategies, that same thought process uh, is transferable. So even if you happen to make a bad choice on your business, uh, what industry, whatever, you know, the rug is pulled out from under you. And a lot of people right now uh, have had, and it, it always happens, you know, the economy changes, this happens, that happens. And I, you know, not COVID has not happened, but I mean, there's been world wars, there's this and that, the other. People will come up with a new invention and that changes everything and makes every a whole other pile of stuff uh, obsolete and you might be in the obsolete thing and you have to get over you know change industry but if you if you built a successful business you've developed a mindset and a skill set for accomplishing things that you can go over and start at the bottom somewhere else and put things together very very quickly and also like in recreational things in uh, the charity side of life and, and in terms of outreach to other people, you know, if you're called to do that, you know, work with people in other countries or feeding them or, you know, or orphan, you know, we have people that uh, uh, have started, I can't believe Bill Stewart started an orphanage and uh, in India 
You know, where does that idea come from? Well, not only the idea, but the ability to actually do it, you know, because he built a business. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. no telling, it's probably got 2,000 in it now, but it was 200 at the beginning. But Oprah, you know, Oprah goes down and she starts the girl for uh, school for girls down there in uh, South Africa and does a whole academy thing, you know. So uh, that probably did not ruin her life. I mean, that probably gave her insights. And, and, you know, she used what she had known about building a network and a number one show. She goes down there and use those same concepts, probably pull in the same resources, support people to help her pull it off. But then she learns a whole new uh, batch of things, meets a whole new uh, bunch of people, gets a whole another stack of experiences, and she that comes back, and now she's got a whole new refreshed Oprah to attack the things she's doing now. So that's, I mean, this is how you keep yourself fresh and moving forward, folks. But all of this comes, Sam, Sam, do you want to make a comment on that? Well, that's something you think about when you have a new experience like that. So my wife and I, uh, I got the guy, John, and his wife, Lisa Gotts, who uh, passed her down in Belize. And and he kept telling me about, Sam, I want you to come down. And he wanted me and Warren Powers to come down, uh, one of our great uh, Primerica buddies, and he's my brother. And he works in ministry with me. And he said, uh, he wanted us to come to Belize. And, and he was like telling me, man, we're gonna have you at this resort. Cause in boot camps, we kind of stay in bunk houses. There's nothing yeah. glamorous. Right. But he's telling us on the man, it's gonna be this resort. I, just, I want your wives to come. Cause my wife never goes with me to my camps. You know, I don't go to hers. And she's like, I said, babe, they want you to come. And Warren got his wife. So they tell us all about this resort. And uh, so we get to, but we fly into whatever's Belize City, and then the camp is four hours south, and the roads are awful. But we're we're riding, and then we get there into this resort, and the resort is like in the when they say it's in the jungle, even the resort is in. I mean, we're riding up past the howling <laughs> monkeys. It sounds like uh, T Rex and my wife and Jada. They're like terrified. I'm like, oh my god! We're like, we don't want to be here. You know, so we, <laughs> we get to the camp and the camp. You know, it's just it's a plain area, and it's about I don't know maybe sixty men there, and and we're doing the camp, and I'm I'm feeling like we're not connecting because even though they speak English, it's a whole different. Uh, experience over there. You know, so we're using yeah. these movie things that in in America they work, and in Central America they're just sitting there like, damn, they don't know the movies, they don't yeah. get it, a lot yeah. of stuff. And so I'm sitting there in my own mind, I'm like, I don't know these guys, I don't know if I'm making an impact. And there was a time where I, I, we used to do like an altar call during this, so we used to do it on the third day, and they were like, hey, the guy, the host, let's do it today, Sam. I'm like, oh, this is the second. I said, oh, I don't really don't think we need to do it early because they're not, you know, I'm, I'm giving them all the reason why we shouldn't do it. They're like, no, no, do, do, I'll do it, do it. So I get up and say, well, I'll do it. But I'm just telling y'all, nothing's going to happen. Now, this is me in the flesh right. trying to decide what God is or not yeah. going to do. I get up before the room. I do my testimony. I don't know if anybody's getting it. And I open up to see if anybody would like to get their life to Christ. The entire room walks up. I'm like, oh, well, it's the first time I ever happened in any boot camp history. So I'm over there. Nothing's going to happen. God's not doing anything. They don't understand. I opened my eyes and we prayed, and the whole room walked up, and it was just one of the most joyous things. I was so excited. The whole leadership team was so excited. And it just showed me again we're in the jungle. I'm thousands of miles from home. God is showing up big time. And it, was just, it just gave me a whole. 
we end up getting involved with the ministry down there, serve down on the board down there, but it's just an example of there's, there's a world out there that we don't even know is out there. And I know that God can use it, each and every one of us in so many different ways, bigger than what we think he can use us. And the way you get, you expand into that uh, stage of life is the way you build a business, which is one step at a time, following the breadcrumbs that are put in front of you, you know, and you say, well, what's over there? You follow your natural curiosity. You meet some people. uh, An opportunity is presented to you. And uh, you have the doubts and everything. You say, well, why not? You know, let's go. And uh, you give a, uh, you know, you give a chance by taking advantage of the opportunity for magic to happen for you to learn for new, actually new worlds to open up to you, right? When my wife was back there, my wife has gone back since then. And she said, babe, everybody was asking for you. Said all these guys, where's Mr. Sam? We want to see Mr. Sam. And so it just amazed me. I'm just grateful and humble that uh, God used us in a way, but I didn't see it. But as you said, I just walked on faith. I said, okay, God, I don't understand. I'm just going to keep moving. And you don't know what, when you move, and take steps. You just don't know what's going to happen, but you got to take the step anyway. And see, that's where I wanted to get in this thing up is like, because people listen to this, they say, what can I do? You know, I don't want to, uh, what do I do? Well, mm-hmm. it, it, it's what you're not doing right now is the simple, obvious things you know to do that you can do. Because if you listen to these things, just because Sam's got these opportunities that you don't have, Sam didn't have those opportunities early on coming out of Delta, you know, and uh, he took advantage. You know, he didn't know 10, 15 people making $100,000 a year. He knew one, you know, right. and so if, if, and he wants, he, he knew spend time around and good things will happen. And if you don't have someone, uh, you know, and I'm sure he would have followed if the guy was making fifty thousand dollars. If Harold was making fifty, that would have been close enough, you know. And I was you know, making twenty two, Larry. So you only needed twenty three to get my attention. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, so how, like, what did you, uh, what did you do? Describe for them doing the obvious things what did you do when you started this new business that you're in you know that that you've been doing for five decades you know what did you do that caused you to learn how to do it well enough to be able to train and develop somehow you learn you did something so you can teach something to people so that you know you you've been able to produce a million dollar earner and he's fast headed towards to himself and uh uh yeah we've and we've got one target about to go over a million angie angie and randy uh hogan's who are over eight hundred thousand a year they're about to go over a million and mike and lillenberg over seven hundred thousand about to go toward a million so we've got a bunch of people on their way up and um but when i got in this business i had no business experience because i you know i was a dishwasher, busboy, yard man, all those kind of jobs. And then I worked for the airlines for about five years. And 
uh, in maintenance, building maintenance, and then cleaning planes, and then eventually loading planes is the last thing I was doing. So what I knew was the my only skill was to work hard, and I got in, and I decided to pay attention to the leader. I watched Harold early on. I didn't have any success. I didn't really jump off quickly, but I was watching the leaders, and I wanted to memorize what they were doing and, and try to learn and present. So I first just worked on becoming a master at presenting. I didn't have anybody to present to, but I just wanted to make sure once I did and I knew what to do. So I just was studying the business and I learned to present. And finally, once I learned to present, then I learned I had to really master prospecting because I didn't have a natural market. I didn't really have a warm market. So I just learned that prospecting, which can sound like a dirty word, I just changed that from prospecting to making friends. Because prospecting just sounds like I just a picture of a guy out and looking for gold somewhere in the wild, wild west. Right. That's what I, yeah. I hear prospecting. But when you say make a friend, that's not a scary thing. Okay, make a friend. And so that's how I looked at it, that when I would meet people, I wouldn't try to get them in my business or get them to be clients. I just meet them and just try to make friends out of them. And when you make a friend, I think even this day, a, a couple of years ago, my son, Marshall, was having a bowling party. And I used to be a big bowler, Larry. I was... Like anything else, I started out bowling in the gutter, in the gutter, in the gutter. A few years later, I was a Georgia State champion in bowling, and this was 1974. Had one of the best teams in the city right up till I got into A.O. Williams. I walked away from that cold turkey, and I loved it, but that was fun. And I knew it was time for me to go build a business. I had to give up my fun temporarily so I could go build a business. But when my son, I used to take my son's bowling, and my son's having a bowling party, and I'm like, my wife said, I said, well, my ball is gone, whatever. I need new stuff. She said, babe, you don't bowl anymore. Just go use a house ball. I said, I don't use a house ball. I'm a professional. And she's <laughs> like, babe, it's a party. I said, no, I must buy a new ball. I must get new shoes. So I go through all this drama that I'm a professional bowler. But by doing that, I met a young guy named Roy Valentine. Roy and his wife, he, they weren't they weren't married at the time. I was now I was in the wedding. I mean, a part I was at the wedding, small wedding. Um, they are like he's like a son to me. He's part time on my staff. He's one of my top up and coming, about to be vice presidents. And this great relationship started because I made a friend when I was buying the bowling ball. I always tell my wife, I don't buy that bowling ball. I never meet this guy. And me and this guy, he and his wife, my wife and I just had dinner with them a couple of days ago. We're great friends. We are family. But it started out just making friends. So when prospecting, I would just encourage people, make some friends. And as you make friends, then good things going to happen. And, uh, and I just do it over and over. I can watch the same movie, Larry. One of my gifts, I can watch the same movie a million times. And still, I've seen The Wizard of Oz a million times. I've seen uh, movies I love. I've seen a five, I'm a five heart. I've seen the five heartbeats. Remember the Titans. I watch movies. Uh, I love to watch movies with people overcoming, where people are achieving things. I love to watch, you know, true stories of athletes and uh, people just done. Great Why do you things. like to watch them again and again? Because I got I, such a short attention span. Once I watch it once, I'm bored with it. But yeah, what, I, what do you I, get I, out of that? Time, I, I keep. No, I know the lines. I just keep the same parts I cried on. I still cry on. <laughs> I still, I still cry when Dorothy clicks her heels and goes home. I'm like, oh my God, she made it. You know, so that kind of thing. <laughs> it's like, I, I don't know. I've just been able to watch something over and over and over. And I, but it's helped me in this business where I can keep doing the same presentation, keep doing the same Monday night, the same Thursday, the same Saturday. I can do it over and over and over. And I'm not bored with it. 
And so uh, it's really been a blessing to me. Yeah, that tells me you could have been a great actor because you don't have to say the lines over and over again. Or musician, you know, play it, you know, play it 50, 75 takes to get it just exactly right, you know. There's a right, lot of right. things you could have done, Sam. But uh, <laughs> I don't know I if you could have done anything else to have more fun. Uh, right. Yeah, so the when I bet you took that same approach when you got finally through, you know, that you got, I bet that's what you do with a band of brothers. You know, when you first started that, you went in there. I get the idea. The first thing you did was stay in your, stay in your pocket, stay in your zone, stay in your sweet spot. When you went to the first band of brothers, probably the first thing you did was make friends with everybody. Uh, the first thing I did, I tried to meet, I met all the leaders I met all the guys that did the different roles. I met all the speakers and a few of them I already knew. And I just learned, you know, how to do it. And so I went back to camps. So I've probably gone to over 50 camps now. I continue to go wow. even as those camps. I continue. This is the first year because of COVID. We haven't had a camp. There's going to be one in November. It's going to be the only one. And I'm hoping I'm able to attend that because I've never missed a camp now. It's been like 10 years. And usually, though, it's nothing rare for me to go to four or five camps per year. And uh, even though the same it's the same material, but it's a different experience every time. You got a different group of people. You're at a different place yourself personally. We're at a different environment. You know, each leadership team I work with is different. You know, so if one does it kind of this way, the other does it that way, but it all works. And so uh, it, it's really helped me in ministry and being excited to, to minister to people and pray with people and be there for folks. My wife and I do a lot of couples counseling. And uh, I can't tell how many times we sat down at dinner with couples that were not speaking. And uh, we sat down with couples that were divorced. I've had a couple that was came to my house, it's over, it's not gonna happen, it's over. And uh, they just had their third, their third child, the second since the quote unquote divorce. And so we're always grateful when God will use us to maybe say a word to a couple that's getting ready to go. And both of us, come out of broken homes ourselves, And still, that's even more amazing. God has used two people that came from broken marriage to help other people not go through that. Well, the hardest thing in a new situation, new business or a new enterprise are, is to break the ice. And mm -hmm. it's funny that no matter how successful you are, how much success you can have in life and how many places you can go and you get a standing ovation and people cheer and chant your name, that you can go right around the corner into another situation and all of a sudden you feel very awkward and everything you know it is you know like every party uh that people go to and they haven't been to that party with that group of people before they'll go in there and think everybody knows everybody else and everybody there thinks everybody they they look at you and say well he knows everybody everybody here i'm the only one that doesn't know everybody but if you get if you have it in your mind starting a business getting comfortable in all social, you know, basically people skills come down to making and keeping friends and developing friendships, doesn't it? And, and it doesn't matter, you know, I'm African-American. Most of my team, my original hierarchy built, you know, is African-American. And yet on my other side of my business, which I was able to purchase another business, uh, almost all that business are Latin Americans. And I've had the exact same success working with that team that was doing about 50,000 in production monthly 
when I started working with them, and last month they did almost 700, I mean, almost 800,000 in production. And and I don't speak Spanish, but I got great relationships. You know, some of my best friends are a lot of my Latin American brothers and sisters, and we still, we got different cultures, different languages, but the friendship and the bonds and the things that winners gravitate to, it's all the same. So if I, it doesn't matter black, white, red, or yellow. Uh, I just think winners speak the same language. And I bet that's the same thing you did uh, when you went down to Belize after the travel, after the four hours, the bumpy roads, and the this, that, and the other, and all the, you know, when you got out of the truck or the car and you got face-to-face with the people in that situation, I bet the first thing you did was to meet everybody and make friends with them and establish some kind of rapport uh, down there. Would that be correct? No, absolutely. I got the, the, the girl at the uh, the little hamburger stop there. I met her, and then I, next thing I know, I'm taking pictures with her and her sister and her, her auntie and the guy, my favorite uh, Bellman over at the little resort. He was the one I said, man, don't nobody make. I said, who made the sweet tea? I was like, who made it? You know, got carried back. I said, man, nobody makes sweet tea. I said, Come over here. We taking pictures and, uh, and having a good time. And uh, it doesn't matter. I was in uh, Punta Cana and took pictures. I had the staff, Larry. I took the, some guy out of the staff. They came in on their off day because they heard my wife and I were leaving. We had been there like a week, and they said, I heard you leaving. I'm not on the day. I just came over to see Mrs. Sam. Come on, Big Poppy. They call me Big Poppy. I say, hey, Big Poppy. <laughs> Taking pictures. I got pictures with the whole staff. So I would people walk in the restaurant, and they like, hey, man, it's like an hour and a half wait. And I stick my head in the door, and they like, Big Poppy, come on. We have a table for you. They were like, this ain't right. I said, it's favor, man. All I can tell you. But I built relations with those people. I talked to those. You treat, because everybody's the same. So I don't care if it's the maid, the bellman, or the president of the resort. You just make friends, people are people, and I just try to make friends with everybody. Yeah, fantastic. Because people, you know, I hope everybody's getting the point here. You know, you say, what do I do? You know, you do the obvious. You start making friends, and when you have people around you that are further up the food chain that you want to follow than you are, not only be their friend, ask questions, and also add value. You know, help out. Make them glad you're around. And uh, develop some kind of relationship with them. Was it hard establishing relationships with the people down there? You said when you're speaking from the stage, you couldn't, you didn't feel like you were connecting on on certain things because you weren't getting the reaction you wanted. Uh, Was that harder to get those friendships just talking to them just asking you know asking people about their favorite subject which is them and so that's whatever i'm talking to people i'm asking about them where how long you been here of course uh, you're married you got any kids and what do you do what are your dreams go you know just having fun with them and laughing and and just laughing and talking i'm with but they're in the service industry i always believe i was in the service industry for a long time and, uh, and I think God prepared me for my business where I'd end up traveling a lot and staying in a lot of hotels, eating a lot of restaurants, because I'm always trying to tip very big and bless people, because I know how hard the people work in that industry. And just, uh, I got a call the other day from a girl that used to sell me shirts down in Florida. She lives in Seattle now, but she just called, 
to see how I was doing, to see me and my family was, were doing well. She was my sales rep at a store in Orlando, Florida. So, and I just, you know, we just built a relationship and we kept that relationship. She hadn't even worked there in five plus years. And so I just think wherever you go, you're just trying to meet people and build some real lasting relationships because the people you know and you get a chance to meet just add so much value to your life. Absolutely. Sam, you've been awfully kind and generous with your time this afternoon. And uh, uh, I know some light bulbs have gone on to the people listening, but I also know that they there's some relaxing that's happened from listening to this because people uh, that don't know are getting the idea, uh, the mysteries being removed about how they can move forward and start having more success than they've been having right now. And it's not a big complicated thing. It's just living your life and uh, meeting and working and living with people that uh, and making a contribution. And thanks, thanks so much for your time. Anything you want to add before we wrap this up? No, Larry, I'll just say, hey, I'm grateful for you and your friendship and your leadership. And, uh, you know, for Art and Angela, man, I'm so indebted to Art and Angela Williams for what they started. They helped so many of us, you know, become business owners and pursue our dreams and become somebody we're proud of. You know, I, I came in this business making $1,900 a month. Uh, we made about three hundred thirty grand last month which is unbelievable to me and i'm just grateful i'm shocked every time i see it and humbled by it and uh we just want to go out and help as many people as we can do i hope the people that listen to your podcast and i know you're going to touch thousands through this i just hope they'll make a decision not to just hear these things but then go act upon these things and go and change their lives so that you'll be bringing them on to interview them next so thank you for everything you do larry i appreciate your passion and your leadership Absolutely, Sam. Look forward to uh, talking next time. See you on the highway, man. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. <laughs> I'll see you later. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Million Dollar Mastermind with me, Larry Wydell. If I've helped you in any way, leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. For more information like this, listen to our other Million Dollar Mastermind episodes and check out my Wydell Academy YouTube channel and visit us on WydellOnWinning.com. I'm the Million Dollar Mastermind, and until next time, go, go, go.